good morning. Welcome to the Vince Coakley Radio Program. It is Tuesday. Hope all is well in your world. A lot of things to delve into today during the course of the broadcast where possible. I try to find things that are encouraging to start off. We have found such right here in the Carolinas. Also, big story brewing. Members of the Republican... What do you call it? The Republican leadership meeting in Washington right now, the Republican conference, to try to figure out and sort out issues related to leadership. Now that we have a motion to vacate the chair, remember some months ago, this was always a possibility with the deal worked out between Kevin McCarthy and some conservatives. <laughs> I, and you're going to hear it in a couple stories that I shared, just I'm so tired of seeing some of these references by the mainstream news media. It's just crazy. Nonetheless, I will try not to be distracted by such foolishness. We'll talk about this motion to vacate the chair, where it's going, and we'll have some local reaction to this from... Members of the Carolina delegation to Congress, North and South Carolina, we will address that, tell you what your members of Congress are thinking about this, and remind you of a warning that was offered on this program last week by my good friend, Congressman Thomas Massey from Kentucky. It looks like his wisdom and his warning is... Certainly that uh, it's something that needs to be heeded. Hunter Biden is headed to court this morning in Delaware as opposed to a deal getting worked out. Basically going to court to sign off on a deal, a sweetheart deal. He is fighting these charges now. Expected to plead not guilty. We'll talk about what is ahead there. AI. Could this be something that would be beneficial to you? One bank executive is actually suggesting this could be a good thing if we want to work fewer hours. This is kind of interesting. Wondering how far this is going to go and I don't think it's going to help those of us in the broadcasting business. (laughs) We will address that. Also, my good friend David Fredrickson is back with us today. He's got with a brand new book called Christianity in Crisis. This is our Transformation Tuesday. Just started reading this book. Christianity in Crisis. Is there a solution? And he talks about the elephant in the room. The fact that Uh, Let's just get real. For all practical purposes, the American, quote, Christian slash church experience in America is imploding right now and has been for quite some time. What's the solution to this? How are these issues addressed? Well, David Fredrickson will join us in the next hour to talk about this very important subject. Let me start with something encouraging. 
This is an update on a story that we've been following for quite some time. You know, I I love these David and Goliath stories. These stories where you've got some poor little person who is um, in a situation where they're just going to be crushed like a grape. You look at the situation from the outside and, you know, this person just has no chance against, you know, whether it's big government, big business. You know, it's one of those situations where just hang it up. I mean, if you look at this logically, you would think uh, this is not going to end well. But things are turning around for one 93-year-old woman. This woman lives in Hilton Head. She's fighting to keep her home from property developers. And we have a major development in the story. Her name is Josephine Wright. She has a GoFundMe account, and that fund has now surpassed its $350,000 fundraising goal to help cover the costs of her attorneys. This is one of the frustrating things about situations like this. How many things in our society involve litigation where we're empowering and enriching attorneys? Not saying attorneys are bad people, but there's just way too much. Nonetheless, behind Wright's home on Jonesville Road, Bailey Point Investment LLC is developing a 147 unit neighborhood. She says the group is trying to force her to sell her land. It's been in her family since just after the Civil War through a frivolous lawsuit. The lawsuit filed in February claims that portions of her home are on their property. Really? Wright has been fighting back, garnering the support of several celebrities, including Snoop Dogg, Tyler Perry, and Meek Mill, Most recently, she received another donation from pro basketball player Kyrie Irving, who gave $24,240 to the campaign. I wonder, how did he arrive at that figure? (laughs) $24,240. And this was, again, his second donation. Before, it was $40,000. They're now at $360,000 to help this woman to keep her home. The next step, according to the Island Packet, is Wright and Bailey Point must enter mediation or arbitration to resolve the lawsuit filed by the company. You know, at some point, you know, this is one of those things where you have to ask the question about whether some of these folks have a conscience. Why in the world? I mean, could you sleep at night if you were trying to take the property of a 93-year-old woman. I mean, some of this, you know, as a corporation, and I'm just, I don't mind saying this, I think people who do nasty things like this deserve to go bankrupt. They really do. And from a public relations standpoint, you know, what is this? A 147-unit neighborhood. You know, one of the things, it would be wonderful if all the people in the community see this thing and they decide, you know what, we're not renting from these morons. These are unprincipled, terrible people trying to take 
an old woman's home. This is just ugly. And I commend every person who is pitched in to help this woman to keep her home. But at the same time, can we create an atmosphere? You know, and, and yeah, I dare, dare use the word shame. Where people are ashamed and brought to shame for doing terrible things like this. This is crazy. Speaking of crazy, the big story we're following this morning involves Kevin McCarthy. The motion to vacate the chair. He is speaking live right now. Uh, Bernie, do you happen to have a source for this? We can, well, he has just stepped away. Uh, we're going to find out what he had to say this morning. Um, just a minute ago. Just wrapped up his comments. We're, we're going to tell you what's going on with it and find out where this is likely to go. As we continue our broadcast, the Vince Coakley Radio Program. We're back on the Vince Coakley Radio Program, 20 minutes after the hour of 10 o'clock, and your host is always busy, always staying on top of news developments that are important to you. In fact, what I've been doing these past few minutes during this commercial break was catching up on new developments in this saga developing in the nation's capital. By now, you've probably heard... We have a member of Congress who has pulled the trigger. Here's the headline in Reuters. U.S. House Speaker Kevin McCarthy plans to hold a vote on a motion to vacate on Tuesday, which is today. Kevin McCarthy told his caucus he would not cut a deal with Democrats. That's very important. We'll hear a little bit more about that later in suggestions that have been made what is this all about well let's go to the source of the problems for mr kevin mccarthy it is one florida representative matt gates who has filed a motion to remove house speaker kevin mccarthy from his position accusing mccarthy of breaking his promises to republicans by working with democrats to delay a government shutdown and make a secret side deal on ukraine funding what you're going to hear now is the actual motion on the floor and then some comments that he made after leaving the House chamber. Here is Matt Gates. Resolved that the office of Speaker of the House of Representatives is hereby declared to be vacant. Kevin McCarthy likes to pretend that he makes coalition with conservatives, but all he really does is break his word with conservatives. All right. He's broken his word. So this resolution has been introduced on the floor. This starts a 48-hour window to address this. So, where does this go from here? Kevin McCarthy, for his part, and I was just listening to... I love being able to rewind television. It's kind of cool. I was able to listen in on the comments that he made just a few minutes ago. He's made very clear he's not going to offer any concessions to Democrats in exchange for helping him keep his leadership post. 
He said, they haven't asked for anything. I'm not going to provide anything. So this vote may happen as soon as this afternoon. A vote to kick him out of his top post. Matt Gates leading the effort to replace McCarthy as payback for McCarthy rejecting demands. And you ready for this phrase? This is so annoying. By far right conservatives to include massive spending cuts in a bill to avert a government shutdown over the weekend. Far right conservative. I really would like to read the, reach this reporter. You know, we should start doing this, making calls to reporters and asking them, would you explain and define your terms? What is a far right conservative? What is that? <laughs> My goodness. Gates is a strong ally of former President Donald Trump who he apparently consulted before filing this resolution to remove McCarthy. In his interview, McCarthy said he was taking a cue from former longtime House Speaker Nancy Pelosi. He said, when she was minority leader, she told previous GOP speakers she didn't believe in the idea of one party helping to bail out the other party's top leader and would always vote against such an effort. Not based on saving an individual, but based upon what's good for government, what's good for the institution as a whole. And this is what you're going to hear appeals to the idea of upholding the institution. Now, just a few minutes ago, I listened to Kevin McCarthy's comments that were made right before we went to break. Kevin McCarthy saying he's confident he will be able to hold on. He says this whole thing about Matt Gates, it's personal. So in other words, he's saying this isn't even about some sort of principled issues. This is personal. The part where I had to laugh, Kevin McCarthy declared himself to be a conservative. <laughs> Gosh. You know, it, it, you can make all sorts of other claims, Mr. Kevin McCarthy. Don't lie. You are not a conservative. Now, he's a campaign conservative. You know what that is. That's a person who runs on the idea of being a conservative. We've already talked to you about liberty scores. His is an F. He's a, he's a person who is not conservative at all. Nonetheless, he did say if he happens to lose his job over it, he's confident it's going to win this battle. But even if he did lose his job over it, so be it. And that was pretty much the end of his remarks. Now, a little bit later, we're going to get to a warning, reminding you about a warning that Thomas Massey offered on this program just a few days ago. Those of you who listen on a regular basis will remember our conversation on Friday. And this is one of the things that Thomas Massey talked about. We will revisit that coming up in just a bit. But I reached out to several members of Congress... I'm still waiting to hear back from Dan Bishop, Ralph Norman. These are folks who very often would be thrown into this category of being ultra-conservative, far-right, or whatever stupid nonsense the mainstream news media is using today for terms. I did hear back from Congressman Jeff Duncan, who sent a pretty lengthy text. I'll just share part of this with you. He said this, I think a delay and address this if we haven't gotten all appropriations bills done before this latest CR expires. 
I blame the 21 who voted against the spending level, which cut non-defense discretionary spending, protected veterans, and funded DHS to implement the border security policy we included by 30%. Now we're here to try to get appropriations bills done, to have a negotiating position with the Senate. This distraction, this tells us what Jeff Duncan's thinking is, if we get into a new speaker election, we'll bring to a screeching halt the work of investigating the Biden family, as well as other work against weaponization of federal agencies like the FBI, DOJ. I'm fine with leaving the motion to vacate live, but delay to see what happens in 43 days. So Jeff Duncan's basically saying, OK, let's let's table this thing. Let's let this thing stay out there for 45 days and see what sort of progress we make on these other issues, the appropriations bills, and let the other important things continue. He adds, we have a four-seat majority, and the Republican conference is not a conservative conference. Republican, yes. Conservative, in a true sense of the word, no. This is one of the things that we have to be reminded of. I was curious about this. Remember I raised this question? I'm so glad Jeff answered this. Since the Budget Control Act was passed, 1984, Congress has only passed all 12 appropriations bills four times. This is embarrassing. So since 1984, remember I, I raised this question? That's the regular order. There's supposed to be 12 appropriations bills passed every year. A, a, basically a budget process. And it's only happened four times since 1984. See, I think for that, every person who has been there since 1984, and there are plenty of them, they should not still be in Congress. This is an abomination. Coming up, we'll remind you of Thomas Massey's warning about what could happen. Also, an update on Hunter Biden in court today in Delaware to address gun charges. That and much more as we continue the Vince Coakley radio program. Back on the Vince Coakley radio program, and we have an update on developing story coming up in a bit as well. Hunter Biden has entered his plea in a Delaware courtroom. We will talk about that in a bit. First, let's wrap up this matter regarding vacating the chair. Again, a vote is likely coming up later today. We had Thomas Massey on this broadcast on Friday, last Friday. He is the only still-serving lawmaker of the 2015 resolution to oust then-Speaker John Boehner. And he reiterated yesterday the move to remove Speaker Kevin McCarthy would likely lead to worse outcomes for conservatives. Worse outcomes. Here's what Thomas Massey had to say, pretty much what he said on Friday. I fear attempting to vacate Speaker McCarthy at this juncture is a bad idea that will lead to worse outcomes for conservatives. Creating a Republican vacancy in the Republican-controlled House while Schumer, Schumer and McConnell leave the Senate seems like a recipe for an omnibus. Forcing the existing speaker or a new speaker into a power-sharing arrangement with House Democrats probably results in an omnibus as well. Representative Marjorie Taylor Greene, another so-called top conservative, agreed in a long thread on X, the effort will backfire. 
She wrote, a Republican-led effort to expel Matt Gates absolutely will not be tolerated by Republicans across the country. I can guarantee you that. Remember when 11 Republicans voted against me, 10 Republicans voted to impeach President Trump, both the motion to vacate and expulsion plans are wrong. He's talking about the effort to get rid of Matt Gates. He's saying all of this. Stop it. Freedom Works President Adam Brandon came out against Gates's move to oust McCarthy, calling it a waste of time to engage in a personality conflict. He also implied this may distract from engaging voters ahead of the 2024 elections. What the millennial voters who Republicans need to win elections want to see is Congress doing its job, passing all appropriations bills, not forcing a chamber to waste its time engaging in a personality conflict. That from Freedom Works. I will wrap up this particular portion of the broadcast related to vacate the chair with comments from the former president, Donald Trump. Folks, this is the reason. For those of you who, you know, in fact, I got a letter the other day of somebody, well, I, I'm i ticked off because you are against Donald Trump. You just like the mainstream media. You ought to go work for MMC. I've heard all the same crap before. My premise doesn't have anything to do with tweets or anything like that. Is in Donald Trump, we have a man who is preoccupied with one thing, and that is himself. This country is too important to entrust the presidency of the United States to this man again. Now, you may be wondering, okay, why is he going off on Trump again? Well, just listen to Trump. Okay, you have some monumental issues related to, and and I, I entertained any reasonable and logical conversation about whether we need to keep Kevin McCarthy. Let's talk about the merits. Okay, I've told you, the guy's not a conservative. Now, if I had my way, uh, would he be speaker? Of course not. This is another trash politician. Period. The bad thing is, with the current... Republican conference, you're not going to get anything better. You're just not. You're going to go from one one of these failing politicians to another. That's my position. Now, for those of you who want to keep him around for sake of continuity, um, you know, I, I'm willing to entertain that argument. But I want you to hear the former president's Response to the question of how to deal with the Kevin McCarthy issue. I want you to listen carefully. And if you can call in and explain to me why this makes any sense, um, I'll be glad to entertain your call at 704-570-1110. This is another example of why I am not interested in Donald Trump running for anything, including dog catcher. Here are his comments about the speaker. Listen up. Well, I don't want to comment on it yet. I think it's too early. It just happened a little while ago. I've always had a great relationship with him. He said very nice things, I know, this morning about me and uh, the job I've done, Kevin McCarthy, so I appreciate that. Do you notice where this went? And, and this is not the first time. 
he said very nice things about me. Who gives a rat's ass about you in this matter? I don't care. And I don't care who this is. If DeSantis behave like this, Nikki Haley, Tim Scott, anybody makes everything about himself or herself is not qualified to be president of the United States of America. Period. Folks, this republic is too important for us to be bogged down by a personality cult. This is disgusting. And I can't believe people continue to watch and listen to this and not get. This is all about him. Everything is. It's got to stop. The madness needs to stop. The Trump idolatry, the Trump hatred, all of it. It's all a huge distraction. Coming up, we'll talk about Hunter Biden. Makes an appearance in court this morning. We'll tell you what's going on with this particular case. Gasoline prices. Recognizing what's going on. Well, if you want some consolation, we always have that line. It could be worse. You could be in a certain place. I'll share a social media post that will explain that. And the positive benefits of AI. Well, it's pretty evident by just stepping outside. Fall is here. It's time for WBT's Talktoberfest 2023. Join us Mondays and Wednesday nights in Talktober for a live interactive conversation with the WBT team on our Facebook live feed. What we talk about is up to you. So plan on asking us any questions you might have. Grab a pint of whatever you want to drink. Join us 7 o'clock. Every Monday and Wednesday, Talktoberfest 2023, presented by Dry Otter Waterproofing. I told you a few minutes ago, Hunter Biden made an appearance in a Delaware courtroom. And wow, hasn't the landscape changed significantly from a few months ago when this guy had pretty much a sweetheart deal worked out, a plea deal where this gun stuff would pretty much go away. Not so now. He's now been charged. So a few minutes ago in a Delaware courtroom, he pleaded not guilty to three firearms charges during his arraignment in federal court. This now becomes a high-profile legal battle, pitting the president's son against his Justice Department. His attorney, Abby Lowell, entered the plea on his behalf. Biden was denied a request to appear by video with a magistrate's judge siding with government prosecutors to say that Biden should not receive special treatment in this matter. He arrived in the courtroom at about 10 o'clock. The hearing lasted less than 30 minutes with the judge keeping the previous terms of release in place. This case, as you know, has put President Joe Biden's family in the spotlight ahead of the 2024 presidential election with scrutiny of Hunter Biden intensifying amid his indictment by a special counsel and the case unfolding against the backdrop of his father's campaign. You know, two months ago, there was that deal with prosecutors that fell apart in a dramatic courtroom scene. Biden was indicted last month in federal court on three counts tied to his possession of a firearm while using illegal drugs. 
Two counts accuse him of lying on a federal form about his use of narcotics when he purchased a Colt Cobra revolver in Delaware. October of 2018, the third count claims he possessed a gun while using a narcotic. Still open, a years-long inquiry into Hunter Biden's alleged tax evasion. In the original case, charged in June, a joint filing with prosecutors said Biden had the gun for 11 days, during which he purchased and used crack cocaine regularly. The firearm subsequently discarded in a trash can outside a supermarket in Greenville, Delaware. I didn't know there was a Greenville. I used to live in Delaware, by the way. The initial plea deal in which Biden agreed to a deferral program for a single gun count, that collapsed before Judge Mary Ellen Narica, who was appointed by President Donald Trump, questioning the wisdom of that particular agreement. And as you know, now that is toast. So, Hunter Biden now goes through the entire court process. So how does it feel? Filling up your gas tank. I mentioned a few days ago, I had someone fill up my car, and, you know, it used to be 40 bucks, easily. Now we're at 50. See, I'm just telling you this to make you feel better. Uh, my friend Chris posted this on social media. Gas is almost $7 a gallon in California. $7. The Biden administration announced they aren't going to do anything to intervene. Of course not. Why do anything to help people? How can they afford to drive anywhere? Uh, Yeah, that's a very good question, isn't it? It is absolutely crazy how gas prices have just gone through the roof. So, yes, it could be. A whole lot worse. And as if things aren't bad enough, they are being warned that prices could go even higher. Remember some days ago we told you about the possibility of gasoline prices? We may find oil going up to $100 a barrel. They're saying gas prices in California could jump another 15 to 35 cents per gallon. Their statewide average is five eighty nine a gallon as of September twenty seventh. Five eighty nine a gallon. Another county in the state at six sixty. <laughs> How in the world do people do this? You know, a lot of this driven by the cartel, the oil cartel, and yet at the same time. We have the additional onerous regulations that are in place out in California. It's just uh, not a place where they make it easy to live. I mean, it's really that simple. Still to come in the broadcast, we're going to talk about this thing of artificial intelligence. I, I think the conversations about this are increasing by the day and for good reason one of the things that i've heard many conversations about in recent years is how 
the pace of technological advances, it's really stepped up. I mean, look at some of the changes that have happened just in the last year. It used to be we'd see these, you know, once in a while you'd see some new development that kind of took us to another level, and the pace of this has really picked up. That it, it's really hard to stay up with as it relates to technology. It, it's kind of interesting to me to see movies, for instance, and just see how much the phone has changed things. I mean, just an invention like that, and within the phone now, we have multiple changes of applications and all kinds of um, apps that are available to do so many things that we never would have dreamed of. But now we're at a place we also have some moral decisions to address as well. How do we deal with those? Coming up, we will talk about one possible benefit of AI. One banking giant boss have some has some pretty interesting things to say. We'll share those with you coming up. Also, directly on the other side, we have Transformation Tuesday. I was about ready to say Faith Focus Friday. Uh, we can only wish this were a Friday. I'm going to talk with my good friend David Fredrickson. He's got a new book out that addresses some really important things about where we are as it relates to Christianity in America and really the Western world in general. That much more as we continue the Vince Coakley radio program. Hour number two is straight ahead. Hour number two of the Vince Coakley radio program, because I'm a generous guy, uh, let's take a quick call here. Here's Chris out of Albemarle. Good morning and welcome, Chris. Chris, are you there? Going once, going twice. I think Chris has disappeared. But if you want to call back and weigh in on this very important subject, feel free. He wanted to make some comments about 2024. And the presidential election. So, there you go. Still to come in this hour, we're going to talk about AI. A banking giant leader has some pretty interesting comments about the impact AI could have on the work week. This is pretty extraordinary stuff. But right now, it's time for Transformation Tuesday. I received, just a few days ago, a book that I have started reading. Very much enjoy it by a person who's had a tremendous impact uh, in my life. His name is David Fredrickson. He's written a new book called Christianity in Crisis, Is There a Solution? We've had lots of conversations about this subject. And who better to address this then David, he is a retired pastor, 42 years, ministered in 17 nations, uh, and he describes his present focus to walk in love as he joins other pioneers who've left religion with a mission to reach others who have been disillusioned with so much of today's Christianity. Good friend, David Fredrickson, welcome back. How are you today, man? Oh, doing well. Thank you. 
How's it going? All right, sir. I want to jump right in and talk about this book. Why did you decide to write this particular book? Uh, you know, what, what what is the crisis that ails Christianity? Wow, that's a, that's a big question. I think the crisis <laughs> is that people are living and walking in a way, you know, calling ourselves Christians and so forth, and yet being so far from the truth and the example of what Christ is, we've embraced a religion rather than a relationship. And, uh, you know, that's been going on for years and years. And, and when you notice we're at a time again when many people are just leaving the institutions, uh, they don't know what to do. Some, uh, there's actually some that are becoming atheists. And there's atheists that have become atheists because of what they've seen in Christians and say, well, that can't be the answer. And so, obviously, we're in a crisis. Uh, people are leaving the institutions as never before, um, which can be a good thing, but often they're finding nothing and know what else to do. So, if there was ever a crisis, I, I think we're walking in that as far as Christianity. I think we've learned to live a religion and have neglected what really Christ came for. You know, it's kind of interesting, David, that uh, I think about, uh, you know, probably the most significant uh, blow that traditional uh, Christianity has received in recent years happened during COVID, where there weren't, this was yet another reason for people not to go to traditional churches. And, you know, it's something that further pushed this over the edge. What does a person do in, in terms of, and, and I'm still reading early in your book, what is it that you recommend to the individual Christian to do in light of the current religious atmosphere? Wow, <clears throat> loaded question. I think, um, first of all, it's, it's a matter, I think, of examining, you know, why we were following or felt that we were following Christ in the first place. You know, it, it's self-examination. What, what was I, what was I doing even in the institution? What was I learning? Why did I leave it? You know, and answering those questions and coming down to the point of, you know, I don't see a real transformation in my life. I don't see a real answer. I didn't find an answer in doing religion, basically. And and I think one of the things that we're, we avoid doing, <laughs> because it's painful, is being transformed, you know, changed in the way we think and everything. And of course, you know, very famous scripture, and yet it's not talked about very much, is don't be, you know, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And that is so important, because when we think the renewing of the mind, often Christians look at that as just, oh, well, yeah, we don't do evil, we do good, we don't do those nasty things that the world goes, we don't reject Jesus, but that's not what it's talking about. Renewing of the mind means that we stop thinking dually, you know, our dualistic thinking, good and evil, right or wrong, um, 
And that's hard for a Christian to accept, because that's what most religions think they're doing. We're, we're rejecting the wrong thing, we do the right thing. And yet, they forget that uh, we were never supposed to know what right or wrong was. Through the knowledge of good and evil, we were never supposed to eat of that. We were supposed to pursue love, and then what would happen, especially as that love becomes sacrificial, there's a death that happens. There's a death to the old way of thinking, and that means that the mind has to be renewed to think a completely different way. So, and I love these discussions because they, again, it's, it's, and I think one of the things that you're suggesting here, and we've talked about this before, is that so many Christians are stuck in this idea of Christianity being about right and wrong Mm -hmm. and simply about rules, as opposed to Christianity is, is about relationship it's about a life source, life that comes from Jesus Christ that empowers you, and that transcends and changes everything, doesn't it? It absolutely does. And, and love, and everybody knows they've heard it so much, you know? And so sometimes it's a hard subject to talk about because people think, oh, yeah, love, love, love. You know, there's books on it. And, but that love coming from a transformed and a renewed mind is the most powerful, life-transforming energy that there possibly can be anywhere. And it's actually the only thing that the Scripture actually tells us to pursue. You know, God is love, is love. Everybody knows that. God is love. But what does that mean? It means that everything, everything He does and intends to do in us as well, has to do with love. There's nothing, as you mentioned, rules and so forth, there's nothing else that helps us to become like Him, except love. But when you pursue love, you, you come into all kinds of pitfalls, you, you think, you know, to your own life, to your own understanding, uh, to your own desires. And so it's a very difficult thing. Love sounds so sweet and so wonderful, but there's a high cost to yes. actually walking in love. Absolutely. Um, I cannot believe how quickly time is it by. Can you hold uh, through for a, a brief segment coming up, David? We're talking with David Fredrickson. The title of his book, I encourage you to read, it's called Christianity in Crisis, Is There a Solution? And I want to delve into, you know, what does a person do? Because there's so many people, we've talked about whether people refer to as the nuns, as in N-O-N-E, where people have left, basically, uh, organized religion. What is the alternative? What can someone do? Uh, they, you know, you're not interested in rejecting the gospel and rejecting Jesus, but you were in a place where you just find what much of much of what is offered as Christianity is not something that you want to be a part of. We'll talk about this as we continue our broadcast transformation Tuesday with David Fredrickson. <laughs> One of our listeners, John, so bad. Watching Friday the 13th. Yuck. Awful makeup on these brain-dead zombies. Hang on. Sorry, wrong channel. It's The View. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. That's brutal. Downright brutal. 
on the Vince Coakley radio program, 20 minutes after the hour, 11 o'clock. We have a conversation for Transformation Tuesday, Christianity in Crisis. Is there a solution? We're talking with David Fredrickson, who has written this new book. Uh, here's something really important that I, I have this conversation with so many people, David. If you've reached this point where you find the system to be inconsistent in your walk with Christ, where do you find fellowship? Yeah, very good question. And, you know, all I can say is that there's, you can go by experience of what's happened to me and others. I know quite a few people who have left the system and are walking with Christ and touching other people. And that will, that will come about. Uh, there's no magical way to cause that to happen, but when we understand what it is to walk in Him, and to love in that sacrificial way, you begin to meet people, and he'll bring people into your, God will bring people into your path and so forth that you develop a relationship with. And of course, you begin to find out that everything has to do with relationship, everything. It doesn't have to do with, you know, the other types of rights and wrongs and everything we think of, or there's certain pet doctrines. None of them are worth anything, whether they're correct or not is not the point. They're worth nothing unless they become a part of us through love. And so whenever you walk in love, you begin to make new friends and meet other people who are of the same spirit. And because the church, obviously, is us. We're the church. And so as you walk together with people in love, as you grow together with people, it doesn't matter matter whether it's two or three or twenty, you know, you begin to grow in love. That's where you, the friendship comes, because it's all placed in Christ, of course. He's the foundation of, of any friendship. And that friendship can be uh, with unbelievers as well. You know, there there's so many people. Sometimes you'll find atheists or Gnostics that are more loving than most of us Christians. You know, because at least they've discovered... You know, God's put it in all of us, whether we have the Holy Spirit living in us or not. He's put that desire for real love in everybody. And so when you walk in love in a way that can be seen that this is not superficial, this isn't something that is self-serving, but this is something real that you can't develop, that you can't create on your own, when you begin to walk in love that way, you'll definitely meet people, you'll meet others. And, and together, you are the church. That is what the church is. You know, whether it's mobile, whether you're meeting, whether whatever you're doing is not the thing, is are you walking in love and relationship with one another? The entire scripture is about relationship, our whole relationship with God, all based in how we love one another and how we love others, how we love our enemies, how we love people that are unpleasant. How we, you know, how do we love? Mm-hmm. And that's because, you know, God's love is unconditional. And so we slowly, very slowly and painfully learn how to love unconditionally as well. You know, receiving nothing back. But as we love that way, what does happen is happiness may not be around long, but joy begins to grow within us. And boy, that's a joy that nothing can take away. Happiness comes and goes. You know, if 
we feel good about ourselves, we're happy. If we don't feel good about ourselves, we're not we're unhappy. But joy is something that becomes permanent and has roots because it's come from actual love. And this is really the only building block for any relationship of significance. I want to ask you before we have to go here, what's your prediction? The next five years, what are we going to see? And and I, I don't want to think so much about the decaying religious system, but in terms of, you know, the, the Scripture talks about how creation is groaning for the manifestation of the sons of God to see uh, this kingdom expression that you're talking about, David. Uh, mm-hmm. What do you see, for instance, in the next five years, what does it look like as more people are really walking on this Jesus journey away from institution? What What's that going to look like a few years down the road? Well, I think that there are, I, I don't, and I, this is just my opinion, so I certainly wouldn't take it <laughs> as prophetic. I don't think there's going to be a huge, you know, another Jesus movement type thing. I think that, that God is just looking for people who are, many will be unseen, but there will be a growing number of people that have not just left institutions, but not really connected with anybody else, but have are connected together. And through that, there will be this, the display of the love and power of God that will have a great effect. I don't predict, though, that it will be like a, you know, a worldwide type of thing. You know, Jesus warned us, it's a scripture that we, we don't hear or talk about much, I think, because it doesn't seem, you know, the way we want to see the result. But Jesus says, you know, wide is the road. We all know the scripture. Wide is the road that leads to destruction, and many go thereby, but narrow is the way that leads to life, and few there be that find it. Yep. You don't hear that preached on much, do you? If, if, if they, because we've got to be encouraged. Well, you know, if we walk in love, if we walk the way God wants us to walk, if we get our act together and do that, then there's going to be a great revival. Well, the Scripture doesn't say that. And... You know, there's been many revivals along the way, but who comes out of it? Very few, just as Jesus predicted. So I don't see a huge, you know, I don't see a country being transformed, coming alive, and, you know, uh, being a light to the nations. I don't see things like that, but I'm just saying I don't see that. I'm not making some prediction here. But I see people who are growing in the way of God to such a way they have their roots down, and what happens is other people are transformed by that. And and those that have that heart to follow Christ at whatever the cost, those are the ones that that change happens to those around him, around them. And And it uh, sounds like ultimately, David, you're saying this is... uh, you know, this is something that, you know, really through history, 
that it's not going to be this thing associated with a whole lot of fanfare. And I think right. this is part of the reason why so many of us are, uh, are disappointed because we're expecting something big and dramatic. And David's saying that's not going to happen. Christianity in Crisis, Is There a Solution? the name of the book. David Fredrickson is the author. David, thank you very much for joining us on the broadcast and look forward to talking with you again soon. Well, thank you. As we continue our broadcast, I want to get your thoughts on what he has communicated here. We also have an additional reaction to the motion to vacate. I've heard from another member of Congress, and we're going to talk about AI. What could this do for the work week? Back on the Vince Coakley Radio Program, 36 minutes after the hour of 11 o'clock. What are your thoughts on things we've discussed thus far? Our phone number is 704 So to come, we are going to talk about AI. Also, we have reaction from one member of Congress in the area about the vacate the chair resolution that has been introduced by Matt Gates. First, let's go to a quick call from Ross here in Charlotte. Good morning and welcome, Ross. Hey, how you doing? All right, sir. I like your show. Um, I've been going into homes and businesses. I'm a dinosaur. This is my 50th year. Wonderful. Uh, so I started in 1968, knocking on doors, selling AAA in Roanoke, Virginia, in businesses and homes. And other, I won't bore you with the other stuff, but what I've seen over the years with families, uh, when the hippie movement came in in the 60s, there was a portion of that, and then you had a portion of people, common sense, that didn't do it. But I've seen the uh, negative after effect of this, Vince, in that uh, a lot of the parents who went and had children, didn't push their children to go to church or get involved in Christianity or whatever. There was a portion of that. Then as they got older, those children, and had children, it got to be the same thing. It's, gradually, at the same time, it's been getting worse, in my opinion. Uh, you know, we don't need God. But um, I heard a preacher tell me one time, he said, John, people don't go to church because... They know what they're going to hear. They don't want to go to church because they know what they are going to hear. <laughs> and uh, I think there's a, a lot of truth to that. You see the generational change, and we don't need the, uh, God who gives us. And they forget God gives us our next breath. I don't care what you are, you know, Democrat, Republican, common sense. Uh, but uh, Jesus also said, go to be with fellow Christians uh, in the house of the Lord. That's in the Bible. No, uh, well, hold on, hold on, hold on just a moment now. Uh, he definitely commands fellowship. I would agree with you on that. Uh, the idea, you will not find anything about uh, him uh, calling on people to go to a building in particular. He does say that, you know, for us not to forsake the the assembling of ourselves yeah, he together. Not, he says to go be with, be with fellow Christians. Yeah, absolutely. And that's, the, yeah, the form is, the right. Yeah. Where yeah, do we go most times to find more Christians? Church. 
that's what they we've were. traditionally done. And here's the other part of this, and, I, and I'm, I'm glad to have this conversation with you, that I think for a long time we've kind of allowed this to be defined a certain way. And I think long term, uh, this system has not served very well. And I think people have figured out that uh, this is not the best way to... Um, you know, the, the way that we've engaged this, and a lot of people have looked for alternatives. So I think I agree with you, Ross, that there is a secularization that's taken place and taken root in our country. And yet at the same time, I think we in the church, those of us who are believers, we've the salt has lost its savor. And uh, in our desperation, we're trying to hold something together without having the, really without having the foundation together. Uh, I think this is well, where we've I, lost I, I, this. I, I agree to some degree to that. Then yeah. I see some churches that are uh, booming. But there's a lot of them uh, due to, uh, that was, uh, when we, I can't think, what we just went through. Uh, are you talking about COVID? COVID, I can't get yeah. it out. It's okay, um, it's okay. <laughs> no, I like being a senior. I can blame my stupidity on my age. <laughs> but, uh, I got to remember that one. I'll, I'll try to use that line too. Yeah, we, no, we, I don't know how old you are, but uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm pretty good at that. But anyway, make a long story short. Uh, when I go to church and hear a good sermon from a good preacher, it boosts me up. You right. know, and I, but I'm 78 years old. I'm in the after generation, but I, I can tell by the people I meet. You got I don't get into, with, and I'm retired now. But I, I never did get into religion, sex, or politics in the products I was selling, unless they brought it up. Right, uh, I and, fully understand. But I, I could. I, I've seen this change over the years, and I had a good preacher. Uh, a friend of mine back in the sixties when I took the preacher going, he said, "John, you ain't um, uh, Ross. You ain't seen nothing yet." Mm-hmm. And boy, are we we seeing it now, Ross? I very much appreciate your call. I look forward to hearing from you again sometime. Uh, it's uh, man, how how the landscape has changed in so many ways. Our country, our uh, just the nature of who we are has changed so much. I wanted to touch on a couple of things. Uh, I'm going to save the AI item for after the break. I did want to share with you the reaction from another member of Congress on the motion to vacate the chair. Because it's important for you to know what your local members of Congress think about this. Ralph Norman represents South Carolina's 5th District just south of our border here in Charlotte. Here is what he sent just a few minutes ago in response to my question about Kevin McCarthy. He made it clear he's not going to support a motion to vacate for the following reasons. One, the timing's not right. He, as in Ralph Norman, asked Matt Gates to hold his bill until we get through the next 45 days. Isn't this interesting? See, I think there's a, a, a consensus of wisdom here from people like Jeff Duncan and also Ralph Norman. Let's get through these 45 days and to get, get our appropriation bills to the Senate. When the Senate rejects our bills, take the threat of government shutdown off the table and let the Senate own the shutdown. Two, our main focus should be securing the border against the flow of illegals, cutting spending, shutting down 
mass regulations, all of which are doing as modest as they are. Anything against the Pelosi-Schumer budget is our best option. Three, there's no one in line to take McCarthy's place who could get the 218 votes. And the bottom line is Hakeem Jeffries would be picking our speaker, which is not an option. That's the perspective of Ralph Norman. And I tend to agree with him, really, in all these reasons, in addition to the reason you heard earlier from Thomas Massey. So... We'll keep you posted on the vote, of course, right here on Newstalk 1110 WBT. Uh, it could take place as early as this afternoon. But again, it looks like this is uh, questionable as to whether this effort by Matt Gates will succeed. Coming up, we will talk about AI. Final stretch in the Vince Coakley radio program on this Tuesday. Jamie Dimon. You may be familiar with that name. He is the man associated with J.P. Morgan. Here's the headline of the story, UK Daily Mail. Jamie Dimon says AI will enable, are you ready for this, a 3.5-day work week. As he reveals the technology is already doing all the equity hedging for his bank. He's saying this is already in place. We're already seeing AI at work. Hmm. Describing AI as integral to his firm. Though some jobs will ultimately be lost to the advanced tech, Diamond said J.P. Morgan would hope to redeploy those employees elsewhere. Hmm. So artificial intelligence already being used in most parts of J.P. Morgan. And it will eventually likely shorten the work week to 3.5 days. Wow. How's that for awesome? Could you get used to a 3.5 day work week? Jamie Dimon says we already have thousands of people inside JP Morgan doing it. Every single process, every app, every database has been touched by the technological developments offered by the emerging field. He added, AI programs are already doing all the equity hedging for us, for the most part, called the technology critical to our company's future success. When asked whether AI will eventually replace some human jobs, of course, for the jobs that still exist at his firm, and it's not clear AI has so far eliminated any at J.P. Morgan, Diamond has famously been bullish on his employees returning to the office five days a week in the future. That could be just 3.5 days. But he added, technology has long replaced certain functions that were formerly performed manually and has ultimately done unbelievably incredible things for mankind. But he added, planes crash, pharmaceuticals get misused. All major technological developments have downsides. Your children are going to live to 100 and not have cancer because of technology. Literally, they will probably be working three and a half days a week. Diamond has previously said he believed AI will help advance his firm's products, customer engagement, risk management, and productivity. But he also expressed this concern about bad actors using this, mainly for cyber warfare. 
In terms of job replacement, Diamond expects AI will replace some jobs, but said anyone whose job is replaced, we hope to redeploy elsewhere in the company. wonder what that's going to look like. 3.5 days a week for work week. Think you could get used to that? I suspect so. <laughs> would that work here? I don't see how that would be workable here. But you just never know with the technology that we see developing. Time for us to take a look at the day in history. Bernie. Vince. What do you think about that 3.5 oh, Vince, work there's week? A, there's a bad buzz on this mic. You hear that? <laughs> yeah, clever. we might have to forego a day in history today, Vince. I don't know. Pete Callender, sure. You want to play with Pete? Oh my no? goodness! <laughs> I don't know. We can we can try it. Hey, it's not terribly bad. Okay, not terribly okay. bad at all. I I actually thought this was a stunt to make sure that we recognize <laughs> that you are irreplaceable. Hey. I thought that was the strategy here. Well, I think maybe that was like a like maybe a psychological thing for me there. <laughs> just trying to get you to say it what you got well, we, for me today we start in 1776 congress borrowed five million dollars to stop the rapid depreciation of paper money <laughs> boy that continues to depreciate doesn't it 1789 this first president there's your hint declared october 26 to be the first national thanksgiving day who put thanksgiving in place on that october day would be george washington George, honest George. 1863, another great president made it official, proclaiming the Thanksgiving holiday the last Thursday in November. He did this in 1863. Who was in office in that year? Mm, I'm not sure this one, Vince. Lincoln? Um, was it Lincoln? You are correct. Oh, my of gosh. Of course you're right about that one. Wow. I knew. <laughs> I fully expected this. <laughs> These three letters, officially designated as a warning signal via telegraph back then. This is, uh, these are the letters you use when you are in trouble. Maybe you're out to sea. SOS, Vince. SOS is the correct answer. Very impressive. 1951, Bobby Thompson hits the shot heard around the world, winning the pennant for the New York Giants. 1955, we have three shows that debut on this date. I'm going to see if you can just guess one of them. The first one is a show that was on for years on CBS. Uh, the name of the show um, is based on this person who... Uh, uh, it's associated with an animal in Australia that you would probably want to go see. The second show, um, they spelled out the name of the club in the song the theme for this for the show and the last one is Not a the mickey comedian. mouse club is it you got one of them wow. mickey mouse club the third one is a comedian i think he may still be around um he has three names and his show led to the mary tyler moore show as well um so Dick Van Dyke. Dick Van Dyke. And was brilliant. the other one Captain Kangaroo? You've got all three. Oh my gosh. Can you believe all these shows debuted on this same day, 1955? No, I can't. That seems like forever ago. I, tell me about it. Yeah. 
1990, these two, they were originally a country before World War II. They split, and in 1990, they came back together. What are those countries that reunited after a 45-year split? Would that be... Would that be Germany? You are correct. East and West Germany. Wow. Uh, This woman recently died. She... um, Got headlines in 1992 after she tore up a photo of the Pope on Saturday Night Live. I think she said something about stopping the oppression or something like that and ripped up the picture of the Pope. Sinead O'Connor? Sinead O'Connor is correct. 1995, this guy acquitted in the murder of his ex-wife, Nicole Brown Simpson and Ron Goldman. This day in 1995. Uh, I'm going to go ahead with O.J. O.J. Simpson. 1997... The great Gordie Howe, the age of 69, played in a pro hockey game his sixth decade as a pro. And then, last but not least, 2008, the Emergency Economic Stabilization Act gave Treasury power to purchase troubled assets. We remember that dark era where everything just seemed to be collapsing around us financially. And uh, here we are, 15 years later, still standing in... um, who knows when the next economic crisis will hit? Hopefully, <laughs> no time soon. That's a look at the day in history, and that's the end of our broadcast. Thank you very much for joining us today. We so appreciate your presence. Have yourselves a great day, and God bless you.